Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. story several years ago about a guy who died and he went and stood before the pearly gates and when he got there an angel met him and said why should I let you into heaven he said I was afraid I would get that question he said uh, wow Uh, well there was a time where I gave a quarter to a homeless man angel looked at him and went back in and talked to Simon Peter and said there's a guy out here who said that he gave a quarter to a homeless man. And Simon Peter looked in his book, and sure enough, there it was recorded right there that when the man gave that quarter, and he said, well, he's telling the truth, but that's not a whole lot. Would you go check back and see if there's anything else? And so he went back and he said, Simon Peter said, that's not a whole lot. Is there anything else that you could give us to work with here? And man thought for a while and said, well, there was a time I was in Starbucks, and there was this lady who was holding up the entire line because she couldn't find the right change. So I took a quarter out of my pocket, and I threw it at her said, hey, lady, get out of the way. Here's some money. The angel said, that's it? And he said, yeah. So he went in and he talked to Simon Peter. Simon Peter opened the book and looked and looked. And sure, sure enough, he found where the, the guy had thrown a quarter at a, a lady. So he gave 25 cents to a homeless man and gave another quarter to a lady at Starbucks. And uh, the angel said, well, what do you think we ought to do? And Simon Peter said, I say we give him back his 50 cents and tell him to go to hell. <laughs> Now, the the sad thing about that story is that there are a lot of people outside of these walls. There are a lot of people who think that that's the way it works, that you just try as hard as you can to do as much good as you can, and at the end, they weigh all the good things that you've done, and if if those good things are are more than your bad things, then you get to go in, but if your bad things are more than your good things, then you're, you're left out. And that's why a lot of people don't come to church because they've done enough stuff in their life that's on the wrong side of the ledger that they've just given up. They're, they're like, if that's the way it works and I'm gonna get up there and find out that I didn't make the cut, then why try at all? And here's the good news that we have to share is that's not the way it works. That there's a God that created us who loves us, who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place to pay for all of our sin. And when we accept that love and when we invite that Christ into our life and we let him take control of our life, that we get a free trip that's paid for by someone else. Uh, When I was a a very young boy, I remember watching a black and white television set in our home and there was a show that came on once a week called The Millionaire. Now, most of you will not remember this show, 
But it was a story about a millionaire who liked to give away his money anonymously. And there was this guy who worked for him who would come in every week in the TV episode and he would stand in front of the millionaire and all we saw was the back of his head. And he said, I've chosen someone to give a million dollars to. And he would hand this Michael Anthony this check and he would take it and he would go to somebody's home or he would travel across the country and he would find an individual and he would give them this check. And then the rest of the story was about how it changed their life for the better. And I remember thinking as a young Christian, as I watched that TV show, that God has given us something to give to other people. That's more valuable than a million dollars. Will last a lot longer and have a greater impact on anybody else's life. That's the good news, friends, that we have to share. In Matthew 4, 19, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was walking along one day and there were two brothers, uh, Andrew and Peter, who were mending their nets. This was not the first time that Jesus had seen these guys. They had heard him talk there in Capernaum about the love of God and how God wanted everyone to come and be a part of the family. But that particular day, Jesus looked at those fishermen who were mending their nets and he said, follow me. Receive the love that God has for you and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, we have a student building here on our Rockwall campus. It's called Pier 419 and it's named after that passage, Matthew 419. Because we don't want students here just to receive the love of God, but we want them to hear a second call upon their life to share that good news with others, to become fishers of men. If this good news that we have is such great news, if it has such great potential, if God has called us not only to follow him, but also to tell others of this great news, then why don't we share our faith more? I think most of us don't share our faith because we are afraid. And the biggest fear that we have is the fear of failure. Uh, when I was in the ninth grade, I, I, I got uh, serious about my faith. And at the same time I got serious about my faith, I got serious about the fact that I was going to school with young men and young women who did not know the good news, who thought that God was grading on a curve and that most of them had not made it. And, and uh, a man who mentored me gave me a definition of what it means to share your faith, and this is what he said to me. He said, sharing what we know about Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Guys, it's that simple. Just sharing what we know about Jesus. You see, I think there are a lot of us who, who think that you have to have a theological degree to share the good news. Uh, we think we have to have some kind of Bible lesson prepared. And the truth is, is all we have to do is tell what we know about Jesus. I, I love the story about Andrew the very first time that he met Jesus, he met Jesus and Simon Peter had not met him yet, but he went home and he told his brother, he said, you gotta come hear this guy. And, and, and all he said really was, come see. He didn't know a lot about Jesus, but he knew that Jesus was different than any other teacher that he heard and he loved what he was saying. And so he came home and he just said to his brother, come see, all he did was tell what he knew about Jesus. And at that time in his life, it really wasn't that much. Guys, we witness all the time. Uh, you go and you, you see a good movie and you wanna tell everybody that you know that you care about to go see that movie, don't miss that movie. Or you go to a restaurant and you really like it, you say, oh, you gotta try the so-and-so restaurant. In fact, you not only recommend the restaurant, you tell them what to order when they go. 
Guys, that's called witnessing. That's just telling what you know. Uh, you don't have to be able to make a movie to tell somebody to go to a movie. You don't have to be a chef to tell somebody there's a good restaurant and they ought to try it. It's just telling what we know in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus sent his disciples out, he said, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And, and see, witnessing is not that hard because it's just telling what we know, but more than that, there's something supernatural that happens because the Holy Spirit will actually give us the words to say. And here's what I found, that witnessing most of the time is more like a sentence than it is a paragraph. It's when someone's going through a tough time and you're listening to them and you're caring about them and you're investing in them, just simply saying something like, you know, I've gone through some similar tough times and I don't know how I would have made it had the Lord not been in my life. Just put a period there. Don't say anything else. Stop right there. God will take that one simple sentence and he will use it to begin to point that person to the one that they need in their tough time. Sometimes it's simply coming out and you're walking with someone or you're driving along, whatever, and you say, hey, didn't God make a beautiful day today? Zip it after that. Don't say anything else. Don't quote a scripture. Shh. You see, witnessing is more like drip irrigation than it is releasing a fire hydrant on your friends. <laughs> the, the Lord has called us to be fishers of men, and when you fish, you just throw it out there, and you just slowly reel it in. And then you throw it out there again, and then you just slowly reel it in. You're not gonna catch very many fish if you take your rod and reel and beat the water. <laughs> Relax. It's just telling what you know about Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we want to leave the results to God because it is God who gives the increase. And so many times we go out and we try to share and nothing happens and we say, ah, I failed. No, you didn't fail. If you tried, you didn't fail. You see, that's why they call it fishing instead of catching, all right? You throw it out there and you throw it out there and you throw it out there and you throw it out there. There will come a time when there'll be a strike, but it's not every time that you do that. I'm just gonna be faithful to share what I know about Jesus. And I'm gonna trust God to know when to say it and what to say. And I'm gonna leave the results to God. If you have a Bible with you today, I wanna to invite you to turn with me to our passage. It comes out of Colossians, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse three. If you don't have a Bible, look on the back of your worship guide and it's printed there for your convenience as well. Notice what it says, this is Paul that's speaking and Paul says this, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word so that we might speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have been imprisoned. Let me just stop right there and say something. At this point, Paul is in prison and instead of being focused on being in prison, he's focused on using his imprisonment to share the good news that's worth more than a million dollars to those who have the wrong impression about how to be made right with God. 
See, some of you right now, you're in a job and it's a terrible situation in your job and you're trying to figure out how to get out of it because all there are are a bunch of lost pagans there. Maybe God put you with all those lost pagans so you could be a light in that darkness. Some of you are in a family and, and, and not very many people in your family know Christ and you're trying to avoid them. The truth is God put you in that family so that you could be the spark of revival in your family. In any and every circumstance, we ought to be praying that God would open up a door of opportunity. Look there in verse four. That I might make it clear in the way that I ought to speak the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse five says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Don't miss verse six. It says, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you would know how you should respond to each person. Now I want you to notice here, first of all, Paul uh, is asking the church at Colossae there, while he's in prison, to pray for him. And, and, he, and he's basically reminding all of us that this thing where we share our faith is that we're on a team. A prayer team, first of all, as we pray for each other. And notice that he asked two things. There in verse three, he's asking that God would throw open a door of opportunity. I want to challenge you to do something this week. I want you to I want to challenge you to pray when you get up, when when your feet hit the floor, to say, "God, give me an opportunity to share Your love with someone today. Hand me a a check that I can give to somebody that you've already paid for. Uh, just pray for that open door of opportunity. And here's what I want you to know: I want you to know I'm going to be praying for you this week. That's going to be my top prayer request that you would see the doors of opportunity to say a word about God's love. And then notice there in verse four, he says, pray that God would give us the words to say, that the Holy Spirit will inspire us so that we won't say too much, we won't say too little. See, first of all, we're on a prayer team, but second of all, uh, we're on a share team. You see, I believe that when someone comes to Christ that it's a process. Let's just say that this is the point of salvation. And there are people who are uh, a minus 10 away from coming to the Lord. And there are others who are a minus five. And then there are others who are like a minus one. They're just one step away from giving their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. And we find people all along this continuum and here's the reality. The reality is that God doesn't necessarily want you to take somebody from a negative 10 to a negative or, or to salvation. He may just want you to take someone from a negative 10 to a negative nine. And he's got someone else who's gonna take them to a negative eight, a negative seven, and a negative six. Scripture says this. It says one plants the seed, another waters the seed, but God gives the increase. You see, it's just sharing what you know about Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God who gives the increase. And the truth is you don't have to do it all. Uh, several weeks ago, uh, the Dallas Cowboys were playing one of their preseason games against uh, uh, Sandy, uh, San Francisco. And, and as they began the game, they were talking about how the Cowboys recently have had trouble in the red zone, finishing off, making a touchdown. And in the very first quarter, they got in the red zone, and there they were within the 10-yard line, and they were, uh, it was a third and four, just four yards to make another first down or to make a, a touchdown. And Dak Prescott uh, 
pulled back and he threw a pass and the pass was hit by a defender from San Francisco. The ball went straight up in the air and Dak looked up and Dak caught his own pass. Went two yards forward and was tackled. He's a great passer, he's a terrible receiver. No particular great yards after catch there. And that's the dilemma, friends. When we try to do it all ourselves, we find ourselves not making a lot of progress toward our goal. And aren't you glad that you don't have to do it all? And aren't you glad you can just be yourself? You see, you make a great you. You make a terrible somebody else. That's the truth. And we don't have to play all the positions and we don't have to do all the things. All we have to do is be ourselves and tell what we know about Jesus Christ. See, I think there's some different styles when it comes to sharing Christ. I really do. I think that there's a style of evangelism that I would call a commando style. And the commando style is for those of us who have the gift of evangelism. See, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And when he comes, he brings spiritual gifts. Some people have the gift of giving. Some people have the gift of faith. Some people have the gift of teaching. Some people have the gift of leadership. There are some of us who've been given the gift of evangelism. Stay with me here. All of us are called on to witness. But there are some of us here, about 10% of us, my best guess, who've been given the supernatural ability to witness called the, the gift of evangelism. And, and these folks, they can walk up to anybody they've never met before and in very short time figure out where they are on that progression of negative 10 to uh, of becoming a Christian and they can help them take that next step. Let me give you an example of this. When uh, Philip, one of the disciples, was supernaturally transported into a desert where there was an Ethiopian eunuch who was riding in a chariot, who was reading the Old Testament scriptures, and who couldn't figure out what it was saying, and, and he magically appeared before him. And because he had the gift of evangelism, he was able to explain to that person from a foreign country who didn't understand about God's love how to be saved and, and actually baptized him there at that occasion. And sometimes some of us who are in the ministry, the vocational ministry, some of us who have the gift of evangelism, sometimes we tell stories like being on an airplane and, and turning to someone and, 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 and maneuvering the, the conversation to where uh, we uh, find out where someone is in their relationship with God and then able to open up the scriptures and in one plane trip lead someone to the Lord. And that's an inspiring story unless you don't have the gift of evangelism and you think, is that what it means when God says I'm to be a witness? I can't do that. It's because you don't have the commando style of evangelism. You used to call it the guerrilla style of evangelism. It's the Marines that we sent in early, but not everybody is a Marine. See, some of you have the invite style of evangelism. And the invite style of evangelism, you know who you guys are. You are a party looking for a place to happen. And you're always pulling together a group and going to do something fun. And God has taken that spirit that you have and he uses it as you try to influence others for Christ. And you're always inviting people to Lake Point. And you maybe not have the ability to find out where they are in their process. Maybe you don't have that intuition. Maybe you can't share exactly the steps that they need to take next. But you can get them to a place where they can find out. That's what Andrew did when he said to his brother, Simon Peter, he said, come see, he just invited him. 
He didn't have the whole story yet, but he just invited him. And some of you do a great job. There's a, a lady in our church who's a real estate agent. And there are hundreds and hundreds of people who've come to faith in Christ because she sold them a house. And, and while she was selling the house, said, hey, have you guys found a church yet? I said, well, well no. And they didn't tell her, and we weren't looking for one. And she, in a winsome way, invites people to Lake Point. And when they come, they're surprised at what they hear. They thought it was all about working your way into heaven. And they hear about the grace of God. And there are going to be people in heaven. And she's never shared a scripture with them. She shared an invite with them because that's how God made her. And then there's some who are here and you have the testimonial style of evangelism. You're just telling the difference that God has made in your life, there's a story in the Bible about a man who was blind that Jesus healed. And when the, when the religious leaders of that community found out about it, they drug him in and they started asking him all these theological questions about whether Jesus was the Messiah or all these other things. And he was confused by all that. He didn't know anything about that. And so he just finally said, hey, hey, I don't know anything about that. All I know is I once was blind and now I see. And some of you have a story like that. To say, you know, once I was an addict and I've been sober for six years. And Jesus is the one who made the difference. To say, hey, our, our marriage was in a shambles. We were about to blow up our family and have our kids live between two separate homes. And then we found Jesus. And Jesus put our home back together. I don't know all the verses. All I know that I was blind. But now, because of Jesus, I see and there's some of you who have the intellectual style of evangelism. God just wired you to think that way. And you do know the scriptures well. And, and when people have legitimate, complicated questions about scripture or about life or about creation or any of this, you're able to give intelligent answers to them. By the way, I was teaching this in a small class one time. And there was a husband and wife who were sitting beside each other. And I started talking about the individual styles of evangelism, and I got to the intellectual style of evangelism. They were right there on the front row, so I could hear them. And, and the husband turned to his wife, and he was taking notes, and he said, how do you spell intellectual? She said, if you have to ask, don't worry about it. <laughs> you see, we're on a share team. We all play a different role. Uh, the hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. The ear cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you. We're on a team. You don't have to do it all. You don't have to know it all. We share this together. But most of all, we're on a God team. We're on God's team. It's just simply sharing what you know about Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, playing the part that you have in the progress of someone coming to Christ. And it is God who gives the increase. When you came in today, uh, hopefully you received or you picked up a little thing that we call an impact card. An impact card is very special. Some of you have been carrying one for, or you've had one that's been felled out for over 30 years. And it simply says on the front, I will seek to impact others who do not have a personal relationship with God by doing three things. Praying for them daily, sharing my own verbal witness, and then inviting them to Lake Point. If you look on the back, there's a place for you to write the names of three people that you know who live around you locally who do not know, as far as you understand, you, they do not know the good news that we have to share. 
And, and here's, here's the thing, friends, is when, when the word of God says, be witnesses, and, and we hear someone say, we ought to be sharing God's love, and we go out here and we go, yeah, we ought to do that. But we don't get as specific as three individual names, people who have families, people who will spend eternity somewhere, either they're separated from God or together with God. When we get this specific, something changes. First of all, we ask you to pray for them every day. And, and so I wanna encourage you that sometime today, before you go to bed tonight, that you, if you don't already have an impact card that's filled out, that you'll write the name of three people that you know who live locally who do not know Christ. And then I wanna encourage you to put it somewhere that you'll see it every single day. Because if you put it in your purse or you put it in your billfold, you throw it in a drawer, you're not gonna pray for those people. Put it somewhere that you're gonna see it. You know that you're gonna see it every day. Put it, probably for most of us, it's gonna be on a mirror in our home where we get ready uh, to fix ourselves up every day. We're gonna be there at least one time a day. Maybe you put it next to the toilet. You're gonna go there at least once a day. You can either do it at standing height or sitting height. I don't care. Too much information. But that you begin to pray for John and Mary and Edward. Now, several things are gonna happen. First of all, you're inviting God to do what only he can do. Bible tells us that nobody comes, nobody comes to the Father unless the Spirit of God draws him or her. And the moment you begin to pray for those people daily, you are part of a supernatural process that will take place. The other thing that's gonna happen is that your antennas are gonna go up. Because you see, I think everybody we know will come to some point in our life where they will become spiritually curious. Some people become curious when a baby is born, the miracle of birth. Some people get curious when mom or dad die and they think about their own mortality. Other people get curious when their kids become teenagers and they start struggling with rebellion. Others get curious when they get the house that they've always wanted, the car that they've always wanted to drive, and they're going on the vacations that they dreamed of, and they realize that they're still empty, and they say, is this all there is? Some of them will get curious because they know you, and they see what you have, and you've made those little sentences along the way to make it clear that it's not because you're trying harder than they are or that you're smarter than they are or that you're better than they are, but because of your connection with God through Jesus Christ. And when they get curious because you've been praying for them every single day, all of a sudden your antennas are up and you notice when they're curious. And you not only pray for them, but then you share more of a witness. And if they show any interest at all, you invite them to come to Lake Point. See, part of our fear is that we're gonna be asked a question that we don't know the answer to. I've found that when someone asks me a question that I don't know the answer to, the best reply is I don't know the answer to that. But I know a place where there is an answer. Are you really serious? Is that, do you really have a question? Because I wanna invite you to my church and I can introduce you to some people who can give an answer to that. See, we don't have to do everything, we're on a team. And so we pray for them, we seek to witness to them as God opens up the door, and then we invite them to come and hear more. Now, 
part of that is paying attention to who we are. And that's very, very important, to pay attention to who you are and just be yourself. Reflect on the goodness of God in your life and share that in a natural way. But the other part of the equation is we also wanna pay attention to where they are on this continuum. Because depending on where they are on this continuum will determine our strategy toward them. I want you to look back at our scripture in Colossians, the fourth chapter, and look in verse six. In verse six, it says, let your speech always be with grace. Don't miss that. As though seasoned with salt. We're gonna talk about salt in a moment. So that you will know how you should respond to each person. Just like we get to be ourselves, we need to pay attention to where a person who's moving toward Christ is. And here's the reality, guys. There's some folks who are 9, 10 negative away, and, and here's the reality about those people. They are people who are lost, they're unsaved, but they're really not interested yet in what we have to say. Say with me. They're lost, but uninterested. And so what's our best strategy? In Matthew, uh, the fifth chapter, verse 13, it says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. Now in that day, if salt lost its saltiness, they would use it for road fill. We are called to be the salt of the earth. Now salt, what salt does is it makes people thirsty, at least in this context. It, it adds flavor, and I think Christians add flavor to this world. I think Christians also preserve this world in a sense, keep it from decaying, which salt does as well. But in this context, it's talking about making someone thirsty. And the truth is, is the way we make someone thirsty is we lean on the action side rather than on the verbal side. It's not that we don't say things to them, very short statements to them, to, but, but it's more about what we do, how we act. And guys, I, I know as Christians we're not perfect, but friends, there ought to be a way that we act that shows people we're different. We should begin to show the fruit of the Spirit that God is producing in our life. We ought to be the most patient person in our neighborhood. We ought to be the hardest working person with self-control at work. We ought to be the most loving. We ought to be the most generous. And people get interested in Christianity when we point gently with grace in our speech to Christ. But more than that, we're salty in our language in a good way. In John, the fourth chapter, it tells us that Jesus Christ went to a Samaritan village and he was there and he sent his disciples into the town to buy food. And he was there at the well with a woman who was an outcast even among the Samaritans. The Samaritans were hated by the Jews. The Jews were uh, hated by the Samaritans. Uh, the Samaritans had intermarried with the, those who had come to conquer their land and they were considered half-breeds. And women on top of that were considered second-class citizens as well. But Jesus Christ, a Jew, came and spoke to the Samaritan woman who was drawing water. And he said, could I have a drink of water? And he caught her attention. He got her interest. She said, how is it that you being a man, a Jewish man, is speaking to me as a Samaritan woman? Guys, we ought to be different in our world. We ought to treat people different than anyone else. We ought to get their interest by how we live with, with, with purity and yet with also 
kindness and love and gentleness. They ought to say, how is it that you're treating me the way you're treating me after the way I treated you? And it was because he moved her from a negative 10 by the what he did that he was able to share about the love of God. And in that one instant, in that one episode, she became a follower of Jesus Christ. Sometimes they need salt, but sometimes they need light. In Matthew, the fifth chapter in verse 14, that very next verse, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. You see, because of the way that some of you have lived, there are people who are just one step away from finding the good news that's worth more than a million dollars that will change their eternity. And those folks, we can't say, well, I'm just gonna live my faith. I'm just gonna witness by the way I live. Guys, it's time to tell them that it's about Jesus and to tell them what the Lord has done for them. It's time to show them light. Sometimes God demands that we be salt. Other times he demands that we be light. And we have to change sometimes a little bit. We have to be flexible in who we are in order to pay attention to where they are. Today, about 10,000 people who are followers of Jesus Christ will hear this message. What if those 10,000 people heard the call of God on their life to be fishers of men? What if they took their impact card and got intentional and wrote three names of people they know who do not know the Lord? And what if they started praying for them every single day? What if we started praying for 30,000 people who find themselves somewhere on this continuum? And then what if we just started sharing with others what we know about Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and see what God might do. Let's pray together. Father, we wanna see a revival in our communities. We wanna see a revival in our land. Father, I open up my scripture and I read about how 3,000 people were saved on the very first day of the very first Christian church at Pentecost. And how that flame spread around the world. Father, start a spark here today. Not 3,000, not 10,000. Father, we're praying for 30,000 people to have their eternity changed. And we pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.